Fortnite in Film is a podcast where every week you get the chance to listen in on a group of film lovers chatting about the great, or not so great, movies that we've been watching over the past fortnight. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of A Fortnight in Film. I'm your host, Jason. And I am your co-host, Christian. Thanks for tuning in. Heads up, the films we're about to discuss may contain spoilers. For a list of the movies we cover this week, check out the description. Let's kick it off with my pick. This is a film that's, I think, been on both of our letterbox watch lists probably since it came out. Yeah. It is very highly talked about on letterbox and really just for wider community i feel like it i'd been avoiding it for some time because of the main actor (laughs) i don't blame you (laughs) so that film is uncut gems uh from 2019 directed by the Safdie brothers josh and benny Safdie. um it stars adam sandler of all people um, (laughs) who i both you and i usually dislike yeah i'm i'm usually not a not a big fan of uh, adam sandler I don't know. I'm usually a big proponent of comedians taking serious roles because for some reason I think they tend to, I, some of my favorite, you know, serious drama roles are from what are normally comedians. Um, you think about like Jim Carrey in um, a couple of roles, but you know, like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind or to a certain extent, um, the Truman show, Robin Williams was the king of this um, where he did, he did some serious roles that were just incredible. Like goodwill hunting is just one off the top of my head. Uh, he did some lesser known ones too. And then, uh, and then you get like modern stuff, like um, you, you, a lot of stand up comedians were, you know, took roles in like uh, Breaking Bad and stuff. And they just, they're, they're just incredible. I don't Comedians somehow are just able to bring this depth that surprises and enthralls you, you know, when they go into serious roles. And it's really impressive. Um, but Adam Sandler, I was just like, nah, he won't pull that off. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Supposedly he did have one like call, it was called like the comedian or the stand-up comedian uh, where he it was like a serious role and it was supposed to be some kind of um, a real meditation on like a, a lifestyle. Um, I never actually saw it, uh, but supposedly he's done this before and he's he's done it well. But um, I would thought I was incapable of liking anything that he did. Um, and I saw this and to a certain extent, he almost kind of he I feel like he didn't stray that far away from the type of role that I don't like him in that I don't like him for, but, but this just, ah, he tweaked it a little and it was kind of like everything supporting him too, but he was incredible in this. Basic plot synopsis is he plays a guy called Howard Ratner, um, who is a jeweler has a secret jewelry shop. A lot of high profile clientele, come and buy jewels and watches and rings and all sorts of things from him. Um, and he's also a gambling addict who puts these bets worth tens of thousands of dollars on basketball games. He owes a lot of money. I believe it's like $100,000 to his brother-in-law, who is a loan shark. He gets this opal, black opal from Africa, which he's planning to put up for auction and pay off all his debts, essentially. It all goes a bit haywire. Um, Kevin Garnett, if you don't know who that is, he's a, he was a basketball player. He's retired now. Um, is that a real person? Like, that was a real basketball player? Yeah. 
and I'm not fucking with you. I really, I, I wasn't like <laughs> I never yet. googled it, but I was curious when I was watching it. I was yeah. like, is did they make up a basketball no, player? No, or like they, he's a very. Did they do like a Space Jam thing where they actually <laughs> took someone who's actually famous? No, yeah, he he's actually he retired. Okay. I can't remember. He tried a few years ago now, but he was probably one of the best basketball players of his generation. I'd say. Okay, so yeah, he's very big. Like, yeah, like if you know basketball, he's he's up he there. is big. Okay, good. Um, yeah. Um, so Kevin Garnett. Uh, appears and was that actually him or was no that was him, him yeah that was actually him in the film it was yeah. him okay um, and I've only actually did quite good like because being someone who's not like he's not an actor he's a professional athlete I don't actually know if he'd acted in a film prior to this I actually thought he was you know he was serviceable he, I didn't have a problem with his performance yeah he's he's um, tall as fuck yeah <laughs> See, I'm tall but he's fucking tall man how tall is he do you know he's 6'11 240 pounds that's fucking crazy Jesus Christ uh, and actually, yeah, that was his feature film debut. So Kevin Garnett comes to the shop and wants this opal. It basically follows like Howard is trying to get the gem back from KG and his brother-in-law is trying to get the money he owes him. And it culminates in uh, Howard getting shot in the head. Um, and the brother-in-law gets shot in the head too, for good measure. Yeah, that surprised me a little bit. It did surprise me. So I know you thought quite highly of this film. So tell me what, what you liked about it. You know what it kind of reminded me of? And I, I know that there are some stark differences, but it reminded me of this book that I read years ago. Um, and, and it's by an author called, uh, and I'm I'm going to butcher this guy's name. I'm so sorry in advance, but Chinwa or Kinwa Akebe. And it's called Things Fall Apart. And it's 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 very different, but it, it one thing is it has this kind of a thematic similarity. And, and you know, in the description of the book it says uh you know blah 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 at the same time it reveals akebe's keen awareness of the human qualities common to men of all times and all places and there's just it reminded me of that book in the sense that like you know the the character in this film constantly is trying to advance himself and he takes these big risks and you you can you can see in advance as a third person observer how he is like building a jenga tower of failure, you know, and it's, there, there's no way this doesn't all come crashing down. He's just juggling too many plates. He's taking too many risks. Uh, he's playing with dangerous people. He's playing with a lot of money. Um, and you can, you can see this, like, I mean, at that point where he's in his office and he breaks down and there's that, that sort of desperation, you know, he's like, I can't keep doing this and everyone's out to get me. And, but he keeps going even past that point. Like he just can't stop. It's not just compulsive. It's, it's not just a personality flaw. It's it's like an, it's like he's addicted to this adrenaline rush of succeeding against all odds. But he he really is like I, I don't think I could put it better. He's building a Jenga tower of failure. It's just one thing after another. First of all, it's an adrenaline rush without a lot of action, which I think is a credit to the directing. Um, it's very fast paced, but it's not like you don't feel like you're running alongside the camera the whole time like an action movie. It's just this tension, this anxiety, because like everything, I don't know, maybe if you're like me, at least um, I'm a boring man, but I, you know, I wouldn't do any of this shit. I pay my bills. I pay my credit card bills. I, I have a very good, comfortable life. I have a, I, you know, I have a nice house. Everything's fine, but I, I don't take risks like this. And so when I watch this movie, it makes my palms sweaty and I'm like, oh, fuck, he just did this. He just he, he hawked the guy's ring like his championship ring to get some money for something he doesn't know is going to pay off. I'm like wringing my hands. Uh, you know, you, it's a testament to the film that it, it gets me that invested in this character, even though he's, he's like, he's detestable in one 
way like he's he's a greasy dude you know um but at the same at the same way he's pitiable because you you kind of you feel for him being trapped in this kind of person that he is and um you don't get the feeling like he's a bad person necessarily like he's not an evil man but he puts himself in these situations and in that sense it it's not that it's unjustified it's just a shame you know it's just a shame that this guy ends up like this and that he was always going to end up like this and it was a really great character study uh and again it, it i feel like i giving credit to everyone in the film including adam sandler but including the safety brothers that they made me like an adam sandler film that's really impressive for me because I, I really don't like him, <laughs> you know, um, but this, I really respected this role um, because at the same time, if you're going to make this movie, you cannot make this movie without Adam Sandler. I cannot think of another actor who could have done this. Um, and he, you could tell he, he's a really good, talented actor. I just hate fucking everything else he's been in that I've seen. To the point where if he's making good stuff other than this, I'm not seeing it because I'm in no hurry to go see anything from his filmography. This has been sitting on my watch list for like, what, two years? It's just Adam Sandler's face on the poster. I, you know, I'm like, maybe I'll watch. Nah, I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to watch something else, you know. <laughs> but I, I did finally get around to it because of your recommendation. And I, I really, really liked it. Um, there were a couple other side notes. One, you haven't seen this movie, but I, I'm curious if anyone else out there agrees with me. There some of the soundtrack choices. First of all, I love the soundtrack. I think it was used to great effect. I like the synth stuff that they did. It was kind of like non-traditional, but it worked. If I if I heard them divorced of each other, I don't think that they would work together. But then you put it in the scene and I see it in the scene and I hear it and I, I like it. Um, but there was one track that reminded me of this one song from the, the, the 1988 Akira movie or Akira, Akira, whatever you, however you pronounce it. Still never really sure on that, but um, it's this like like a fluty drum. I don't know how to describe it. I wish I knew the instrument they were using, but they were hitting something with sticks. And it's just this like really quick paced kind of sound. And it, it really helped this movie. But I paused it and I told my wife, I'm like, doesn't that sound like the the song when they're um, they're driving through Neo Tokyo in Akira? Doesn't that sound like that song? And she goes, oh, I need to hear it again. So I pull it up on YouTube and she's like, holy shit, that sounds a lot like it. You just don't have the the people in the background going Canada Tetsuo like uh, you got to see that movie first of all um it's a shame you haven't because I I feel like you'd really be with me on that there was a there was a really striking similarity for me and and I kind of I didn't think I mean spoiler alert well we already said it but I didnn't think he was going to die at the end I I kind of was open on that I thought he'd be beaten up in a ditch and maybe they would even leave it leave it open like oh is he dead I don't know um, but when I got to that scene where that fucking crazy guy, that bodyguard was in the locked room and he had, the, and I knew he had the gun. And I'm like, this guy is like a caged bull. He looks too calm. As soon as he opens the door, he's going to shoot Adam Sandler. And that's exactly what he did. So that didn't surprise me. Um, but it somehow still, it, it hit anyway, you know, when it happened, I was like, Oh fuck. He, I was hoping to be wrong. Like, <laughs> you kind of root for this guy, even though he's kind of a skeezy piece of shit. You root for him because he's an interesting character study, not because he's anyone you want to meet or know. Um, I don't know. I was just really impressed. It was it was a it was a fucking ride, man. This was uh, I really didn't feel the length because I was really invested in it. And I, like I said, the, the anxiety, it reminded me of Shiva Baby. You ever see that? No, but I know of it. Yeah. 
that is anxiety inducing too. And this was, this was on the same level for me, a uh, similar kind of movie. It's just, it gives you anxiety like this, this vicarious just dread in your heart and your stomach where you want to shake the character and be like, stop being yourself. Like don't be somebody else, you know? Um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. So you gave it four and a half stars. I gave it three and a half. So I liked it. I thought it was a good film. Um, I'd agree with a lot of what you said. Looking back, maybe I think I watched it last night. Maybe I didn't appreciate it at the time, but now you've said it, I'm definitely like, yeah, there are a lot of moments where you were like, bringing your hands together and you were like, oh, what's going to happen? Like, so it definitely did that well. And I applaud a, a film that has, gives you a physical reaction or something, you know? Yeah, oh, totally, yeah. And like, I actually didn't see that ending coming at all. That caught me totally off guard. Maybe I was just, I'm just, you know, I, I've, assume the best i'm like oh well you know they, they've got a million over a million dollars they're gonna get their money it's all good like i was like oh they've got the money it's fine the deal is sorted and then he's like no fuck you boom shoots him in the head i was like what like you had your money uh, yeah so i didn't see that coming at all because i just assumed like the reason they were there was like they didn't have any beef with him like they just wanted the money no no the no the, the guards did they fucking well, hated the guy, this guy. Yeah. they hated chasing well, after yeah. him you could you could feel yeah. that coming through those actors did a really good job uh, I'd never want to meet anyone like him. That's that's how good good a job they did, you know. <laughs> I mean, maybe I just assumed the brother-in-law would have kept them in line more because, like, he was there for the money. Like, he was there. He wanted his money, and, and he and Adam, you know, how would he he won the money? And I'm like, okay, cool. It's settled. I'll get the money. That's it. And then it was like, he's dead. The brother-in-law's dead. Like, yeah, that was a very, very shock ending for me. I did not see that coming at all. Adam Sandler, you know, is, yeah, similar to what you said, I. I don't like Adam Sandler movies. I actively avoid watching things he's in. Um, but he, yeah, it's sort of like he, this wasn't a comedy film, you know, it's a thriller, it's a drama, whatever. It's not a comedy. But like you said, there were sort of elements, like he, he wasn't playing this like serious, dramatic thing. There was still a bit of like that those characters he plays. It's hard not to see it, yeah. Yeah, and so, so but I mean, I didn't really, yeah, I mean, he was good. I really, I don't, you know, had a problem with his performance. He was probably the standout for me. I, I did also like Damani, who was played by Lakeith Stanfield. I thought he felt like very sort of real. Oh yeah, I liked him too. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I wasn't particularly impressed with anyone else. I thought Kevin Garnett for, you know, from someone who's never acted before, who's only known sports. I thought he did a good job. Yeah, I, I will agree to that. He was good. He was good for the role he, he had to play, you know. Didn't get a lot of screen time, but didn't need it. And just the plot, you know, like, so it's sort of like what you said, like, I couldn't imagine doing any of this stuff either. <laughs> and I have always struggled, as I've spoken about on the podcast before, I've always struggled with suspending my disbelief for films. But I think with this, even though there were some, like, sort of outrageous or ridiculous things that happened, in my head I was like, well, maybe that does happen. Like, I'm not in the world of jewelers and, and loan sharks and owing money to people but maybe this is what happens maybe people do get beaten up and stuffed naked in the trunk of their car maybe people do import opals from africa and yeah i, I didn't i didn't really feel like the plot strayed too far from believability uh, the runtime is 135 minutes so it's about two hours 15 i didn't notice the time usually sort of once films creep towards that two hour mark i'm like oh but I didn't, it just, yeah, like I said, it just sort of flew by. It was very well paced. I guess, yeah, I didn't, you know, it, it, it was a good film. I'm glad I watched it because everyone on Red Rocks raves about it. 
it was good. I enjoyed it. Would I say like, oh, it's a great film? Like, I'm gonna watch it again? No, probably not. And I don't really, I can't really articulate why that is. Like, I enjoyed it, but did I enjoy it enough to rewatch it? Probably not. I bought it on Criterion. I I loved it, and I I was shocked because I even then I was like, I just didn't think I was gonna like it as much as everyone else does. Uh, I was pretty sure about that until I actually finished it, and I was like, you know what? Gotta admit this to myself. Um, I love this movie. And that was a surprise to me. It really was. Well, shall we move on to your pick? Yeah. Um, so I picked a documentary uh, from 2010 called Armadillo or Armadillo, depending on how you pronounce it. Um, this is not about animals. This is a, a war documentary. Okay. So it, it's about, uh, it's a Danish film. It's a Danish documentary um, about Danish soldiers, uh, peacekeeping soldiers being sent to Afghanistan in, in 2009. Um, and this is supposed to be like a, a goodwill mission, stable, you know, like sta- area stabilization kind of mission. You know, this is United Nations kind of stuff. Um, and it's called Armadillo or Armadillo because they're being stationed at a military base in Helmand province for with that name. One of the things that it, it brags about is that there's no actors, which I should. That's kind of what I expect in a documentary, to be honest, uh, unless it's like a dramatization. So I was kind of surprised that they felt the need to point that out. But, you know, one thing that really impressed me about it is is even for a documentary, it's extremely hands off. Um, it's It was a very modern documentary in that sense, because that's becoming kind of more the norm. But I mean, it was really hands off. They didn't talk to these people. There were no they didn't like sit down and interview as far as I can remember. Um, there were some captions on the bottom just saying like, hey, this person's doing this. They're going to go back to Afghanistan. You know, that kind of stuff towards the end. Um, there, there was almost no film interaction with the audience at all. It was, it was a, a pure fly on the wall experience, which I really liked. I, I feel like there wasn't really an agenda for this film. Like it wasn't trying to portray one thing in any one way. It just kind of let things go and then did some editing quick, you know, bing, bang, boom, and then put it out. Um, and I love that. I think it was a fantastic approach. It is very personal. Like you, you know, it's like other war documentaries, you, you spend time with, the one unit and from home and then they get shipped out and they're really good at pretending the camera's not there because you know if i think about it i'm sitting there i'm like you know they got they got one shot of a guy like the ending shot where he's taking a shower at home and i'm like it's kind of weird that he agreed to have a camera in there if i'm if i have a camera in front of me and i'm in a shower i'm i'm acting somehow like i'm like the last sort of say five minutes was probably the most like film like of it because it started to get like a music and have these very edited shots and it was like oh it's sort of like a structured thing yes so that was sort of the only sort of film like elements because before that like you said they just literally stuck a camera there and filmed what was happening i completely agree and that, and it did feel like that towards the end and, and that is kind of really the only criticism i had of this um because they, they filmed that guy in the shower and i'm like he's like looking like thousand yard stare like he's thinking about the war and i'm like i don't know if a camera was watching me in the shower i can't do what i normally do which is space out for 45 fucking minutes and just stare at nothing it was just really interesting to see first of all the stuff that you expect to see in a war documentary with with i mean my wife and i are watching we're like these are kids it's maybe we're getting old but these are like children now they're 18 years old holy these are kids you know they're bragging and they're joking around and they're talking about it like it's going to be a great adventure like like the fucking books you read about soldiers and going off to world war one and then you and then you know they're going to get there and then become disillusioned with that idea and it's like fuck even today they're still talking like that i wonder if the recruiting does that you know it was interesting as an american to see some of the similarities um but also some of the stark differences um 
I don't know. It, it just felt different because they're not Americans. They didn't invade. You know, they're going into it's kind of like a goodwill mission. They're trying to stabilize an area. They're trying to keep civilians safe. But even so, they are not Afghanis and they are in the eyes of the Afghanis. I mean, they look like bad guys. You know, I really like how uncensored it is. I mean, they blur some things, but um, after that firefight in the ditch, they're just pulling dead bodies out. They're rolling them around. They're making jokes. They're pulling off weapons. They pose with the muddy weapons afterwards. I don't know. By the modern rule book, they make some questionable decisions about maybe how they conducted themselves. And it's still kind of left vague, like, you know, what if it was in fact correct or not, or if this is just something that happens in war. Uh, but then, you know, one soldier says something to a family member, and then it gets in the press that they shot people trying to surrender and all this stuff. And, and it's kind of like, I almost kind of wonder we wanted to rewind. I was like, wait, I mean, is that is that actually what happened? Because I was like, I kind of remember it actually happening like that. Now they're saying they didn't do it, but I didn't actually go back and rewind. I'm like, I don't know, there's probably some semantics there. Um, but even so, does that make them bad guys? I don't think it does, um, because this is something that I, I just assume happens in war. I read a lot of books on war, and this is a pretty common topic that, you know, you go out there and, and you know, there's that one character, the character who is of Asian descent and or not a character, but, you know, a soldier. Oh, yeah. Kim. Kim. Yeah. It, Kim. Thank you. And he said, you know, he said like that wasn't, you know, when they were getting kind of grilled about it, he said, well, that's not a fair assessment. They weren't there. And, you know, we joke and stuff to you know, to kind of deal with what we're going through. We make jokes and stuff, but we we acted in accordance with, you know, the rules of warfare or whatever. And that kind of sounded familiar to me as a healthcare worker. We make some fucked up jokes, man, but we see some horrible shit. And that's just kind of how I deal with it. But it's, and I've had people who are not healthcare workers overhear me and, and coworkers, and it doesn't go down very well. But it's, you see shit, and that's how you deal with it. That's how everyone's always dealt with it. I, you know, I'm, I've got a book, uh, about World War One soldiers, where they, you know, they joke about it. They're in Gallipoli and they're making jokes, and it's fucked up humor. It's super disrespectful, you know, if you look at it one way. But on the other way, I mean, this is how they deal with stuff. And the guy, the guy had a good point. He's like, you know, they weren't there. It, there is like this adrenaline that you're going through, and um, they they weren't there. It's not fair for them to make that to to hold that judgment over us. But again, I, it was a very hands-off approach to documentary filmmaking. I really, really liked it. I was impressed by some of the shots they were able to get. I definitely felt like the cameraman was in personal danger at times. It was just a really impressive documentary that didn't preach at me, um, wasn't trying to hold my hand through a particular message. Uh, I felt like I got a, a lot out of it. And it said a lot without actually having to go out of its way to say anything. What about you? Yeah, so I gave it five stars. It's actually sitting at number three on my documentaries list i'm curious what are the other two um so number one is so they're both true crime ones ones above it because i'm a sucker for true crime um so number one is called the staircase um 2004 it actually won academy award that is absolutely phenomenal the second one is another true crime one um called the devil next door yeah i like that okay so i would yeah definitely recommend people check them out this snuck its way in there in the top three i'll agree with what you said and i'll get on to comments about it not what i disliked but maybe said because i gave it five stars i thought it was a fantastic documentary but maybe just some commentary i had around it and what it showed the approach that it did where it was just like you said a camera following these guys on the base on the battlefield 
you know, patrolling around, I think that definitely helped. Um, as much as there's some documentaries I've watched where I'm like, oh, I wish I would have like interviewed this person or done this or that. I think this actually benefited from not doing that. And it was just this completely unfiltered, uncensored look that like, hey, do you want to see what, you know, six months in Afghanistan looks like? Here you go. And I think related to that, I think, yeah, just the visuals it used were great. I mean, there was one transition I loved where like they were playing video games and this person threw a grenade in the video game. And then as it exploded, it transitioned to like real life and they just launched this rocket or whatever. Yes. Even my wife commented on that transition. I remember exactly the one you're talking about. That stood out. Yeah, that was just phenomenal editing. And yeah, like you said, I was worried about the camera person. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like they were there. Yeah. Like they were there on the, you know, in these combat. They were getting shot at. They were getting rockets, you know, sent towards them. Like they weren't. Yeah, they didn't feel safe. <laughs> like like yeah. there were maybe a handful of times when, I guess the soldiers were wearing like body cameras and we got like a, a thing from there. But most of the time, we shot through a normal camera and the person was there. So yeah, I was, I was like the whole time, I was like, oh my God, I hope the cameraman is okay. <laughs> like, I think it was just that ditch like firefight scene. I think it was the only time they used helmet cams. Everything else felt like it was handheld. It, it, it reminded me in a sense of a film that you and I have talked about before on the podcast, which is The Hurt Locker. And, you know, it was similar because that also, what I loved about that film was it, it, it was sort of like this, but in a film format, right? It, it followed this group of people in the war and it showed what they were doing day to day. And it sort of reminded me of that in a sense. Um, because like you said, there wasn't, and the, I, the Hurt Locker didn't have this either, I felt. There, there wasn't an agenda with this film. Like there was stuff in there, which I'll get to in a bit, which I'm actually surprised was allowed to be in there. I'm surprised it wasn't cut out. Yeah, like the Danish army or the government or someone would have been like, no, cut that shit out. Like, we can't have it in the documentary. But it it was good that that was allowed to be shown because I think, you know, without wanting to cast aspersions on your nationality, maybe if it was an American film, because I know how big the military is in the USA, maybe that wouldn't have been allowed out. Like maybe they wouldn't have had to cut that out because it would have reflected badly on the army or whatever. People, Americans themselves would, it would, I think it would have been allowed to be made. I don't think it would be a popular movie. Americans tend to be very pro-military. It, it really is. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty prevalent. It really actually is. I got, I got like an impression of like, uh, they, if they were going for a message, it was that you just, you just can't win. Like you, you can't be, no matter how good you try to be, you just can never come out of that with clean hands like you're the good guy a lot of war documentaries would just follow the soldiers and what they're doing but we actually got a chance to hear from a few locals and, and families who live there on sort of the impact that the war is having on them on what you know these actions are doing like oh my house is destroyed you know my my cow is destroyed and to us you know people think oh your cow is destroyed we'll just get another cow but it's like well that's their livelihood that's how they get their their food and their milk whatever and that's how they feed their family and and, and so I, I thought it was good that we heard from those locals and it wasn't just about hey here's what the soldiers are doing it's actually here's the impact it's having on the people who are affected by it um and whose houses are getting blown up and whose whose mothers what well, you know that person had his mother and his his child were, were killed in this bombing so um, I thought it was good that we got to hear those perspectives. I do think it was perhaps a bit long at times. I mean, it, it was only one hour 40, so it wasn't that long, but it, I don't know, some parts of it are like, mm, sort of dragged. And it didn't, it, it started out as if it was going to sort of 
follow these sort of four, I can't remember if it's four or five people, but it sort of, it just sort of followed the unit, um, which I didn't really have a problem with. Um, maybe it would have been good if it had sort of followed those people a bit more, but then again, then it sort of veers into that thing of like, well, do you have to sit down with them and interview them? And it, I think it would have suffered for that. So the film shows, so as you mentioned, the film, there's a scene where they're having a firefight with these Taliban and they're in this ditch and the people in the film uh, go and, well, they shoot them first of all. Then I believe they throw a grenade in, which kills about four or five of them. And then they go and just empty more bullets into them just because, you know, that scene and the sort of post... um, uh, how would you say it? Like the, the, the sort of sort of like fallout from that scene and sort of what happened prior, where you know, like you said, someone called home and told their parents, and then the military police were involved and everything else. It's sort of like I, you know, that's what was good about this film was we got to see that, but like that whole thing, like very much disturbed me. Like so, I'm in a lot of and I, without wading into politics too much, I'm in a lot of my life, I hold very sort of conservative traditional viewpoints. However, there are a number of things where I'm like the complete opposite and war is one of them. I am like, I don't believe there's really any justification for war. I think should be avoided at all possible avenues. I'm sure a lot of people say that, but um, there are people out there who say, oh, well, it should be avoided, but, you know, we should get involved in this, we should get involved in that. Whereas I'm like hardcore no to war. Like I, I've never gone out and protested and marched any at anything, but like, in some prior life, I probably would have gone out and marched against like the Vietnam War or something. Right? Like it's it's it's, I'm I'm very extremely anti-war, and I was watching you know, these people kill these Taliban people, and it was it was more so that, and then it was the sort of aftermath, that like really disturbed me. So it's bad enough because like, okay, look, I know they're in a war, and and by no means am I saying, oh, we should have pity for the Taliban. Like, no, they're a bunch of fucking terrorists. If, if you want to be a terrorist and you get killed, then that's the risk you take, right? Um, so I'm not here advocating sympathy for the Taliban or terrorists or anything like that. But I think, like, once they killed them, that should have been it. Like, they shouldn't have been a, oh, we're going to throw a grenade in there for good measure. Oh, and we're going to go and empty another whole thing of bullets into them. Like, they're dead. Like, you don't need to keep shooting them. They're dead. And then, afterwards... I've read about this sort of culture and anytime I see this culture very much disturbs me. You see it in, in businesses to a degree. You see it a lot in sports and like the locker rooms of sports when certain players accuse of things, you know, rape or domestic violence or whatever. And you see it a lot in the military, so I've read, is, and, and, and you sort of, you see it sort of similar in police too. I don't, I don't want to cast aspersions on the police because I found in the police force very much respect the police. But, but. It's about like this code of silence kind of thing. Yes, exactly. This code of silence, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know and, you're going with that. And yeah. so they kill these Taliban. And as you mentioned, somebody, it's never revealed who, but somebody calls their mother on the phone afterwards and sort of complains about what they did um someone who was someone in the unit the commanding officer or whoever comes by afterwards and and you know just the language he used was really like worrying for me so snitches you know and outsiders i think i think he actually said traitor at one point yeah and i was like don't quote me on that but i, I think i recall that 
like they're so invested in this thing they don't see like they don't see that they should have stopped after they killed them. They're like, oh, we were perfectly within our rights to to blow up their bodies and shoot them and, and drag their dead bodies around and laugh at them and make jokes about them. That's totally fine. And anybody who says different or they're a snitch, if they don't know what they're talking about, you know, you know, like it was so like dehumanizing to see them like drag their bodies around and talk about, oh, we're going to liquidate them. I liquidated them. And but I didn't see anything wrong with this. And, and I was watching it, like, horrified. I'm like, and I said, not, not out of any sympathy for the Taliban, but, like, I was watching and I was like, I don't understand how you could do that and be fine with it. You know, like, it's, like, I understand that when you're in war, you have to, um, you know, kill people because the other, the other side is trying to kill you. So, unfortunately, you probably have to kill them. In normal society, you know, if you kill a whole bunch of people, you're probably going to go to jail. But it's like in the military. Ideally. <laughs> yeah, ideally, yeah. In the military, it's like, oh, you get a standing ovation and they give you awards for it. You know, and there's something just very... And again, I, I, I know that that's the war and that's what happens, but there was just something very, like, disconcerting to me about that, that, like... But, because the, the thing those two guys got awarded for was essentially blowing up the body and shooting, emptying these bullets into them. And it's like, you know, it it it, just, it, it made me uneasy to watch. I didn't, yeah, I didn't like that whole thing. I'm uneasy about that comparison, but I, I do feel like I know what you're going for on that one. Um, that it's, it's, a, it's one thing to know and expect that if they're going in there with all this equipment and, and guns into a hostile territory, they're probably going to be expected to shoot someone, but it's another thing entirely to actually see it and then see the aftermath and, and it's not um, clean like it is in a Hollywood film. Um, so I, 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 I get what I think you're trying to say with that. It was interesting to me. They kept talking about, oh, like, you know, we're here to help people. And, and you know, we we want to, you know, um, assist assist the population. But we weren't really, and I'm not saying we didn't do it, of course, but we weren't really shown any of that if they did. I mean, the only times we were sort of ever shown was they gave some food to a few kids. Well, they, they had some meetings with some local leaders. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they met some people and they gave them some money, but it's like, you know, realistically, okay, their house got blown up, so you give them uh, $1,000. Well, the house is probably going to get blown up a month later anyway, right? it's by, whether it's by you or whether it's by the Taliban. Like, it's so, how much are you really helping? I mean, you know, said, I, I'm very anti-war, so I'm like, they shouldn't have even been there in the first place. Like, it shouldn't, you know, the house wouldn't have got blown up if they weren't there. But, you know, like it's yeah, but judging on a curve, I mean, the Russians when they were when they were there fighting the Mujahideen, I mean, they didn't. I don't think they gave anyone compensation for anything they blew up. Um, there, there is certainly a difference. Um, yeah, it was it was a very effective documentary. Let's move on to our final pickpot episode, which is George's uh, selection. So this is uh, the Wild Bunch. Yeah, nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, yeah, nineteen sixty nine. Um, directed by Sam Peckinpah. That's a funny name, by the way, right? I mean, it's not just me. You know, yeah, I was like, oh, that's an interesting. My, my wife laughed out loud. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. Oh, he's he's long dead. That's why. <laughs> it's kind of his fault. Shouldn't have a goofy fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it doesn't start a lot of well known names. I mean, I'd only heard of a couple of them. Maybe they were big in their time. Uh, William Holden, Ernest Borgnine, um, Robert Ryan, Edmund O'Brien, uh, Ben Johnson, and Warren Oates. So the plot is, it's, uh, it's this older gang of 
outlaws and they're sort of trying to make one last score uh, before they pack it in. It's it's a long plot, so I won't go into the whole thing, but basically they try and rob this uh, railroad office, but it's sort of a setup and they get sort of run out of town by these bounty hunters who work for the railroad. They find themselves, or they, they come across um, uh, a guy called General Mapache, um, who's in the Mexican army, and they sort of start working for him. They're sort of tasked with um, robbing this train, uh, this U.S. Army train, which has all these, these guns and grenades on and stuff, and they, they rob it for Mapache. But one of the members of their gang, his village is sort of under attack by Mapache. So he wants to take one of the crates of guns for himself to give to his village so they can defend themselves. So they give the guns to Mapache, um, but he finds out that this guy has taken a crate of guns himself and he doesn't like that. He keeps him, sort of keeps him prisoner with him and he tortures him. And all, all while this is going on, the, the bounty hunters are also in, in pursuit of of the gang. The gang decides that, oh, actually, we should go and rescue this guy uh, from Apache. Uh, so they try to get him back. Uh, Apache instead slits his throat. Um, and then basically all will hell breaks loose and um, there's a massive firefight and machine guns and grenades and all sorts of guns are being used. And it basically ends with everybody dying uh, outside of the one, outside of two people. One is this quite old guy um, who was riding with the gang who wasn't at the firefight because he got like shot by the bounty hunters or whatever. Um, and then actually the head of the bounty hunters, who also used to be like in a gang with with um, the main guy of the outlaw gang, but then the sort of this double crossing gone on. So he went to like main outlaw gang guy, kept you know remained as like head of a gang, and and the, the other guy who was sort of scorned went on to sort of become a bounty hunter for the railroad. And so yeah, the only people who survive are the old guy and uh, the head of the. Uh, head of the bounty hunters and then they sort of go off and ride into the sunset on their next adventure nailed it so thank you <laughs> i always struggle with synopsis i'm like i'm sure i'm leaving a hundred things out so I, I i gave it three stars i thought it was an average film i don't think it was a bad film george if you're listening i don't think it was bad he's listening he's gritting his teeth listening to this <laughs> three stars three out of five that 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 tells me that you think it's a good film. Yeah, yeah it's like it was average. It was, I mean, yeah, it was it was average. I mean, it wasn't said it wasn't a bad film, but it, it, yeah. I mean, what what did you think of it? I really liked it. So I'm I'm not a big westerns guy, uh, but I also, I mean, it's funny. I love westerns, so you think I would have? You think I would have ate it up? But yeah, really? Wow, I'm, su- I'm surprised you. It's just not my normally my thing. It, it, you know, they they feel kind of samey to me. That is true. Um, yeah. And and I one thing I notice about the ones that do really stand out and are more famous are, are ones that tend to stand out from the formula in some way. And, and this one, I think it does. First of all, it is it feels anachronistic to me. Uh, and I notice it right away in that first shootout. I'm like, they are wearing those uniforms. Feel more 20th century you know and and then i i saw the guns i'm like is that a 1911 like a cold 1911 why what what era is it i had to look it up and i was like 1913 i'm like well that would make sense that these desperados are are older and this is no longer the glory heyday wild west yeah right yeah and then it is kind of wild west you know it's in texas and and uh but but it's just um it, it it loses the the romance 
And I, what I liked is that it did away with that intentionally. I felt that it showed kind of this unique aspect of this, this Western formula where it's outside of its own time and place. Now it's, it's winding down. You can feel it winding down. And, and this is kind of like this last swan song of this whole era and, or really that the swan song was 20 years before this. And these guys are still running around these, these geriatrics with guns. And, um, I, I don't know. I was, I was, it's something about it just stood out. A lot of people quote the violence. I, you know, I do feel the violence was intentionally, by modern standards, I wouldn't even call it over the top. It's barely par for the course by modern standards. But but if you grade it on a curve, you know, for the time and place that this was released, I think this was done on purpose to kind of um, almost like a malicious compliance. Like, you know, you want you, fans of Westerns, they want the shootouts, but they want it to be kind of like heroic and safe and kind of like marvely where you're not going to see a lot of blood and guts. You just want to see the bad guy go down in a quick draw. And it's like this one shows you like, no, no, it's. If you're in a shootout and you get shot with bullets, it's going to spray blood fucking all over the place. Uh, you know, the 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 you know if you're in a shootout in a town, the horses are going to you know panicky horses are going to run over innocent women and children, and you're going to shoot innocent people on accident. And I, I like that kind of subversion where right in the beginning, you know, I, I picture like an old school spaghetti western era fan like a fanboy of of the, the that kind of a genre film, and then in the first twenty minutes. They're like, oh, this is too violent. Oh, this is too. Well, yeah, it's fucking realistic. You know, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. (laughs) I mean, I I didn't. I said maybe because I'm looking at it from modern standards. I didn't really think it was all that violent or, or, you know, like there's there's certain films I've seen that can be like, oh, that's over the top. I didn't feel it with this. And even I mean, I didn't claim to have seen. I've only seen by my own estimation, like. 15 or so westerns so i'm not sitting over here like i'm the king of a western and i know what i'm talking about but like the westerns i have seen even that like okay yes they might not have had a huge firefight like this thing did you know there's if i think of the westerns i've seen like they still have quite a bit of violence in and some of them still have quite a lot of you know shootouts they do but i feel like it's safer you know this one lingered salaciously on like a horse trampling a woman to death you know, that I don't feel like you're going to see that in some of these older Western films uh, that preceded this. I, I, I feel like there was just this kind of grittiness to it that, that other Westerns don't have maybe as much. It was this kind of disillusionment, this kind of like this is messy and and gross and bloody. And here you go. Um, this is like, are you, you know, it's, it's like Russell Crowe walking around the Coliseum. Are you not entertained? Like, is this not what you were here for? <laughs> Um, I, I don't feel like that was the main goal of the movie. I feel like the main goal of the movie was just to show this, this just sort of winding down and, and this, um, these guys aren't like these big famous outlaws. We're past that era. Now these guys are just fucking criminals running around. The, the only ones who feel, who, who find this romanticism, what they do are the guys themselves. They're not, they're not lauded as these sort of like outlaw heroes anymore. And you don't, you don't get the feeling anywhere they go that they're, they're held in that kind of esteem. You know, that, that's an old era. That's, that's bygone. I actually didn't really attach myself to any of the characters. I, I kind of found them forgettable. Um, they, they didn't really stand out for me. It was really more the themes that were being um, explored. Um, I mean, the shootouts were, by modern standards, they were fun, but that really wasn't the main draw for me. It was more just like kind of just watching these guys like it's not sexy anymore. They're like, shit, I, you know, I'm getting too old for this, but I don't have enough money to retire. You know, I, 
this didn't pay off. Like this whole lifestyle didn't pay off. And we need one big final score. And and then you're finding out that, you know, with all the shades of gray and where all the lines are drawn and, and they're just out of place everywhere they go, that's, they can't settle down with one big final robbery like maybe they could have before when they were younger. It's too late to keep the, leading that kind of life. They're They're an expired product. And just watching them kind of try anyway, even though they're kind of accepting of the fact that this is uh this this isn't the the same life that they had 40 years ago in like the 1880s when this was uh kind of a romanticized thing you know i liked it i like the themes it explored i like the way that that it i I like the cut of its jib the story was interesting i did find it and said maybe just because i've seen you know i've only been into into film for like a year and maybe just because i've seen other westerns it did it didn't feel formulaic, but I was like, oh, they're going to like, oh, they're going to try to rob this thing and that didn't work. So then they're going to rob this train and they've got these guys after them. Like that sort of, it sort of was a bit samey because I'm like, oh, I've seen that before. But again, that is sort of a trope of Western. Is it so, you know, like, how, you know, if, if you're making a Western film, how far can you stray from, you know, robberies and shootouts and people after you? And, you know, that's a good point, actually. But, I mean, the story was interesting enough. Um, sort of like what you said, I didn't really connect with any of the characters, um, and maybe that's because... Yeah, no one stood out for me at all. Yeah, no one stood out, and, like, we weren't really given that much backstory. Like, there was obviously some history between Pike, who was the main, you know, the leader of the Outlaw Gang, who was played by William Holden, and Deke, who was played by Robert Ryan, who was the, the leader of the, the Bounty Hunters. There was obviously some history there, but we weren't really shown anything beside a flashback quick scene that was it they didn't really do enough with that too they they did a couple of quick flashbacks it was enough to give you some context but i, I was just kind of like i was kind of like i don't know it, it didn't give me a, a narrative enough to kind of uh really get involved in it and, and find something in it, you know for myself to reflect on and like even even a character like dutch who was played by um ernest borgnine like you know like we didn't really delve much into him and like maybe the problem was because Obviously, you know, a lot of Westerns have gangs, you know, they have outlaw gangs, but the focus is sort of on the leader, you know, and maybe the world bunch suffered in the sense because it tried to sort of focus on like, oh, there's these five, well, actually six, if you include Sykes, who's the old guy, there's these six members of these gangs, oh, and then of this gang, and then there's there's the, the bounty hunters, um, and then the army appears, and after them. so maybe it, it, it would have benefited if it just sort of focused on Sykes maybe and 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 sort of the history between him and and Deke and sort of went, went into more of this like sort of showdown between them as such while also touching on the themes like you mentioned about like the sort of from a bygone era and these days of like wild west outlaws roaming around robbing places has sort of been done and it's finished I guess one of my main criticisms of the film is it was just so long and there was, there was so many parts in it. Like, so it was 145 minutes. It was two, you know, nearly two and a half hours. It was long. There were so many parts of it I felt like could have been cut out and they just didn't like add to the plot or advance it forward. I, I will say though, I think the final action of a massive fight, I thought that was incredible. That was probably the standout of the film for me. Because, you know, like, and, and I guess this is where it sort of subverts your expectations, like you said. Most of the times in a Western, the main character or characters will survive. Like, yes, you know, there's going to be casualties, but there'll be someone come out of the end 
end and be like, oh, I survived and I'm, you know, I'm a good guy, I'm a bad guy or whatever. Whereas this, like I said, it killed everyone. Like everyone in the gang died. Yeah, which which I like about it a lot. Yeah, I liked that too. Everyone yeah. in the, the, I mean, the bounty hunters survived because they weren't actually able to firefight. But like everyone in the gang died. Or, you know, this this general, Mapache, his sort of um, offside of his German army colonel or whatever, like he died. Germans represent. <laughs> like <laughs> all the army people there, who, like under General Mapache, they all died. Like, so I, I liked that it took that risk of like, essentially they killed off every main character, which I thought was good. And and just that whole sequence of, you know, the, the, the guns and the machine guns. And yeah, I, I just thought that was very well shot it was a very and i did read this about the film prior it it was a very um interestingly edited film you know like it had a lot of these sort of quick cuts and then sometimes it sort of lingered on this one person and that's to say it didn't really stand out for me the editing actually yeah i mean i i noticed that it was quite an interesting like it had a lot of just interesting shots in there and and just the way it was sort of filmed for what it was it was it was a fine film i guess i just look at it like I feel like I've seen better Westerns and I just feel like it was far too long and parts of it, I guess, just seemed familiar to the point of where I'm like, oh, well, this film did it better or that film or whatever. But I mean, look, wasn't a bad film. Um, I know it sort of held up there as, I think it's sitting at like a 4.2 on Letterboxd or something. It's a, I, th- I think it was a 4.0, um, which I agree with. I, I, I gave it, I think, four stars. I think I did right. Yeah, yeah, you are correct. Four stars, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's sitting up there as you know a, a highly acclaimed film, but um, you know, yeah, yeah. For for me, that's a good rating. That's a really good rating, especially for Western for me. Uh, res- respect, respect, George, respect. <laughs> you know, if you're into westerns, check it out. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I probably wouldn't recommend it. Well, I think that wraps up episode nineteen. Thanks everyone for tuning in. George will be back next week and then two weeks from now uh christian is unavailable so we'll be having a special guest in his place as always if you enjoyed today's episode we'd love it if you would give us a rating on apple podcast and we'll see you next week